And they're mm. like, oh my gosh, this is like the best course I've ever done. Guys, you got to do this. Like, it's kind of rare to get positive comments on a Facebook ad. Welcome to the Creators Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world, hearing their stories about growing a business. Today's guest is going to teach you how to build a conversion story for your brand. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McAnulty, the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with Colin Boyd and he is obsessed with helping experts and entrepreneurs grow their businesses through live stages and webinars. He does keynotes at conferences around the world on the topic of persuasive communication. Colin is a CSP, NLP practitioner, ICF certified coach, and his clients include Coca-Cola, Suncorp, Fuji Zero, and Hewlett Packard to name a few. His signature program, Sell From Stage Academy, helps people create and deliver presentations that connect with their audience and convert them into clients. He's an Aussie who now lives in Newport Beach, California with his wife and two little kids. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Hey, it's great to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So my first question for you is, what would you say is the biggest thing either that you did or you are doing that has helped you to achieve the freedom to do what you enjoy. Hmm. Uh, I mean, the area that I that I have b become obsessed about is is using stages, whether a virtual or live stages, to grow your audience, to convert clients, and to really serve people on a greater level. So, I would say there's like two answers to this question. Well, there's probably a thousand, but um, two core answers that come to mind. One of them is any chance that I had to either create a stage or do a presentation, I, I, I did. And and I did it afraid. I did it just, you know, sometimes literally my hands shaking, <laughs> my, my knees knocking and uh, freaked out. But that has significantly grown my influence and my audience uh, very quickly over the last, in fact, I've been doing this for 14 years now. So it's just continued to grow over the, over that period. And so that's the first thing. The second thing I would say for me has just been continuing to invest in myself along that journey, putting myself in programs, putting myself in higher level experiences and getting access to greater tools, uh, all that sort of stuff. I would say um, if I look back over the journey of the 14 years, the people who started with me and the people who, and whether they're, whether they're still around or not, I think very much depends on whether they chose to keep on growing as an entrepreneur. And that meant, you know, being in the right rooms and going to conferences, investing in yourself, getting a coach. That to me has just been game changing. So those two things, I would say um, the vehicle itself, actually speaking, and then just continuing to invest in myself has just changed the game for me. Cool. I'm curious, what gave you like the, the drive or like the reason behind saying like, I'm going to go do this and speak on all these things, even if you're mm. nervous about it? Well, for me, when I first started out as a coach, in fact, I started as a life coach and I was fascinated about the life coach methodology and, and really just unlocking people's potential just through questions and, and, and great conversations. And uh, it was just a fascinating idea and, and I found it meaningful. And, but the problem was, is I had, I had no one to talk to. Like I had no clients. And so I had this great idea of being a life coach, but I had no clients. And what happened was I got an invite to speak at an event. It was a free event, so I wasn't getting paid for it. 
and it was from a friend who had that as a as an event, but he couldn't make the he couldn't make the evening. He he wasn't available, and so we referred me into it, and I ended up. Um, going to that presentation completely freaked out. I remember like months leading up to this free presentation, <laughs> my wife and I would be walking around the, you know, the local area and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm in a terrible place emotionally just thinking this is going to be horrible. People are going to not like my content. They're going to think that I'm not good enough. They're not going to like what I have to say, like all that stuff that we come up with in our, in our own head. And I remember getting into that, night just so afraid and i got up and i spoke i did the best presentation that i could at the night um after quite a lot of practice and then at the end i made an offer it was my first presentation i just made an offer at the end which was to it was a free offer for to do some coaching with me and what happened was there was 137 people there at the event and 125 of them gave me their details to do coaching with me Wow. And I followed almost all of them up and I ended up signing about 15 full-time coaching clients. So I literally went from zero co- clients to 15 coach coaching clients one-on-one. That was when I was doing a lot of one-on-one stuff. And then four days later, a director at HP calls me and goes, Colin, we loved your presentation. I was, I was in the room the other day when you spoke. Could you come and speak at our next global training day? Uh, which ended up having five and a half thousand people, five and a half thousand HP employees. And that was my first ever paid speaking gig. And what was crazy was that was that now I reflect on it and it was that one event completely shifted the trajectory of my life. And this was before online courses were a thing, web, even webinars weren't really a thing back there. You know, it it was just this one experience that completely shifted the trajectory of my life. And then that got me obsessed with this idea of what does it mean to speak in a way that really sells and moves moves an audience. Um, And then now I've had the opportunity to coach people all around the world. In fact, I've coached like Amy Porterfield, who runs Digital Course Academy, Jenna Kutcher, um, Carrie Green, Female Entrepreneur Association. Like I've, I've had the chance to coach literally the biggest people in the world. And it all started in that one event where I was just freaking out and, and then that changed the trajectory, trajectory of my life. Wow. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a great lesson there to, to do those things, even that you're nervous about and mm-hmm. create that opportunity for yourself because yeah, if you don't do it, you never, you never know what can come from it. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like it's, it's something that we, we tell creators that you want to, you want to create as many of those kind of opportunities for yourself as possible because like it may not happen the very first time that you do something, but that doesn't mean that you should just stop. You want to just create multiple opportunities. And cause like often it is like when you have something like that, the first time you did it and everything works out, like that is so inspirational. Like really like it can just drive you, um, and like completely shift everything as you're saying. But, um, if that doesn't happen right away, you want to like keep creating these opportunities to make that possible because like, yeah, everything you mentioned, like even if a couple of those things went right, like that would still be phenomenal. So, mm. Well, I would say for me, Brian, the virtual stages were a lot slower. So that was an mm. example of a live stage. But when I started doing webinars, I didn't get the results I wanted. And at the time I was actually teaching productivity. And I remember my first like webinar, I, I promoted it a lot on social media. I was getting really excited about selling my first online course. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. And 
I ended up getting 600 people to sign up to the webinar. And this is back in the day when, you know, Facebook actually gave you algorithm reach. You know, you could reach out to as many people as you wanted. There was no like rules. It was literally the wild, wild west, right? And so I, I, I marketed that as hard as I could with just everyone I knew. I ended up getting 600 signed up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to change my life. And I did the webinar and I, and I sold one product. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely so disappointed. Like absolutely so, because I put so much time and effort into my digital course. And then I realized, wow, maybe, I, I, first question I asked was, what's wrong with my course? And then I realized, I was like, no, my course is actually really good. And then I asked the second question, which is what's wrong with the way I'm positioning my course? And I got obsessed about that idea of how do you communicate the value of what you do without coming off like salesy and all that sort of stuff. How do you communicate that value still? And then that went on my webinar journey. And and then I remember doing like my my first like 3K webinar and then like a 5K webinar. And I stayed that for a little while and then went to like a 10. And then I remember jumping to like a 50. And then, and I'll never forget my first $100,000 webinar where I did 100, 100 Gs in one hour. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, I feel like I'd cracked the code. Um, and that made me obsessed then about how do we do webinars better? And so that's, essentially what I teach people now. But at the time I was teaching productivity. I wasn't teaching how to sell on a webinar or anything like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Very interesting. So then yeah, the sell from stage Academy that you have that helps people turn these presentations into money-making machines. Can you outline like what's a few key principles from that program that our listeners could apply to their presentations? Mm. So one principle to start with is a mindset one, which is the idea that when you sell, you're actually serving your audience on the next level. And so one of the resistances that I get a lot from people is is they feel they feel bad selling. You know, they feel they feel bad. They feel, oh my gosh, I'm taking money off people. Um, they just they feel like they're taking something off people. And the problem with that type of energy around selling is you're not going to want to do it, right? And the foundation of any business is that it makes money, it makes profit, and it makes sales. But when you think about it, you've got two audiences. You've got the audience that you serve for free, and then you've got the audience that you serve for a fee. Now, if you think about your audience or any your listeners that think about their audience, right? where do people get the best results? Do they get the best results in the free content or do they get the best results in the fee-based content? It's always the fee-based. Like all your testimonials probably, pretty much all of them, will be from anything you did where someone paid money. And so the realization is is that you're going to get the best results with people when they pay money. And it's not that your free stuff's bad or wrong. Like you should be giving free stuff away. That's part of the journey. But until you realize that serving is actually, sorry, selling on a, you know, in any platform is opening the door to serve your audience on a greater level. And when you have that revelation, it takes a lot of resistance out of the selling process and you feel a lot more comfortable making an offer. And so that's the first like one principle. There's about five kind of sections that we move through in our academy. But the first section is mindset. And and you have to get over some of those blocks that you have in your mind 
or else you will not move forward. Um, so that's like one mindset principle. I'll give you one um, strategy principle around teaching. One, one idea is that when you, most people make the mistake when they're creating a webinar or a presentation where they wanna make an offer is they go back to their course and they ask what's the best content or what's some really cool content I have in my course that I can put in my webinar so that it just at least shows the audience that I know what I'm talking about, I'm good at what I do, and it's really helpful for the audience. And hopefully they'll think, oh my gosh, I got this for free. Imagine what it's like when I pay, imagine what I'll get. Now, the problem with that is that most of the time, if you use that approach, you're going to overwhelm your audience with too many things to do because you're probably gonna go into how-to teaching. You're gonna teach a lot of tactics, a lot of steps, strategies, and things like that. And what happens is it actually just puts the audience into procrastination mode. You've just given them a whole bunch of more things to do before they get they actually get really committed. Because at that point, when you're teaching someone, they're not as committed as they think they are. See, most people, when they're listening to a webinar, maybe they wanna learn how to you know, sell on a stage or whatever it is, sell on a webinar. They think they're committed because they're listening to the webinar and, and they, they are committed a little bit. But to be frank, it isn't until you, you fully commit and that is committing with money, committing with time, committing with focus, like a real decision. It isn't until you make a real decision that you're gonna see any significant results. And so the free stuff is part of the preparation for them to make a decision. And so when you think about your, your content of your presentation, don't just go to your course for your content. You wanna really think about what is the content I need to put in this presentation to bring my audience to a place of congruent decision where they go, this is the exact thing I wanna go after and move forward towards because I can see that that's gonna get me the result I want. So one of the principles around creating content is the idea of, of creating content based around decision-making and commitment increasing as opposed to just heaps of how-to content and giving them lots of things to do. Yeah, I mean, I can attest to that. Like, I'm sure like I've experienced examples of that happening like either the wrong way or myself like getting all this information from somebody about something and I'm like, well, that's really cool. That's, that's a lot of stuff I have to do. Okay, I'll, I'll get to that. And like, it's not, it's not putting me in this, this mindset of decision. Like you're saying that, like, I'm saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this now. You're right. It's like, it's overwhelming that you realize, oh, there's all these things. Okay. I, I just have to put that to the side for now. But what you want to do is, is get them to make that decision. That's actually one of the reasons I'm kind of against people offering like free trials to their course, because you're building up all of this desire along that process to get the person to make this decision. And if you say like, here, go, you can just check out my course for free. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Like it's, I really made it. Then you're like cutting that desire off because they get in there, they see it and they're like, okay, uh, yeah, that's cool. And then they forget about it. And then they, they don't buy it is, is that same kind of thing of, uh, it's potentially a little bit overwhelming and they're out of that mode in, in making a decision about it. So you want to show the person like, hey, these are like, this is the path that we can go on. And now if this is what you want, like we can now come to the decision, like, do you want to move forward with this? And it's not only better for you to make the sales, but 
it's better for you because they're going to be actually engaged in like mm. getting a result from you, which is what you want. You want to be able to serve your customer as best as possible. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I t completely agree. For me, I would prefer them to purchase. So what we teach is to purchase a smaller course first. At least it's something where they make a transaction and they're, yep. they're, they're showing some level of commitment. Start with a smaller course. If you, if, you know, if, if you know your audience or, you, or if your audience isn't ready for your signature course, start with a smaller course and just get them to make small commitments at that level. And then you can take them along that journey to some bigger courses. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I think that's, that's also a great way to do it because it, once they purchase the smaller course, they're also taking some steps forward mm. that they're building this habit of, of now making the decision to move forward. And mm. it's much easier than for them to say like, okay, now I'm going to do the big course. I'm, I'm ready to fully dive into it instead mm. of just like throwing them off the cliff and saying like, here, let's, let's do the big course. Mm, so true. Like I know for us, we implemented a strategy where we have a, a mini course um, and it's around storytelling. And so our business model is there's like a mini course. It's called the conversion story formula. And it's, it's the program's literally like 90 minutes. It's really short. Um, but so there's no fluff. It's just straight into it. It teaches you exactly what they need to learn. And then it gets them to take action right away. It actually gets them to share their story. In fact, I have like a, a promise that they'll be sharing their signature story or what I call your conversion story in under 48 hours. So for most people, they've been waiting like, you know, four to eight years to share their conversion story properly. Um, and I'll get it, we'll get it ready in 48 hours and shared. And so it's like a, it's a small commitment, right? It's a lower priced program. And, but it just, it, the feedback is just, and the credibility it builds is just incredible. In fact, you know, in my Facebook ads account, I'll get, I'll get comments on my Facebook ads of people coming back who, who've done the little mini course and they're mm. like, Oh my gosh, this is like the best course I've ever done. Guys, you got to do this. Like, like it's kind of rare to get positive comments on a Facebook ad. And so, but for me, it was just like an indicator that, you know, this is, we're doing the right thing is that we're building some credibility on the front end, even if it's just a small decision. And then when they're ready, they can continue on that journey if they want to build out the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I mean, like those listening to this right now, like you can probably, picture like moments yourself like if you're building a course a community whatever it is like that was a, a big step for you to go ahead and actually go through that whole thing you know and so you want to like as a creator build these faster feedback loops for yourself where you mm -hmm. can take action get something back from that and then progress with it instead of just here's this giant daunting goal that mm -hmm. maybe something will happen a month or two or three from now Mm, yeah, I like that. I know for me, when even when I launched Self from Stage Academy, our, our signature program, I mean, when I launched it, I, I had no course. Like there was literally nothing built. Um, I launched it for a couple hundred bucks and it was like a six-week Zoom session program. I had no name. It was like Colin's speaking program, I think it was called. And uh, and and I, I like I didn't put off trying to get it perfect. I actually just took them through it and then after the feedback and that like you said that quick feedback loop I was able to actually get great testimonials and then I went and booked you know the full blown studio and built it all out and it is what it is now but 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 I think a lot of the times yeah we put very high kind of standards on ourselves which is great 
but it also like stops the the feedback. And if you think about perfectionism, uh, to make something perfect, the only way to do it is to really get feedback. Uh, and so the faster you can get feedback on something, the better. And for me, I'm like, I want to produce something to a standard where I'm where I'm like happy with it, but I'm looking for feedback so that I can actually perfect it. And then, and then it just gets better. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, you mentioned you have coached some pretty high profile names like Amy Porterfield, uh, Jenna Kutcher and others. Can you share maybe like a success story or a key insight from coaching them that our listeners could learn from? Mm. Uh, one thing I would say, and I and I like you like you mentioned, I've coached a few people, um, quite a few at super high level. Like we're talking, you know, twenty thousand people signed up to a webinar, right? It's like this is a big this is a big event. There's a lot of pressure on it. Um, this is what I've noticed: people at the highest level is first of all they do what the mentor says to do. With all of those people, they are incredible outright at what the what they already do right they're already rock stars but what i've noticed at the highest level when i coach people who are running above million dollar coaching businesses when i tell them to do something obviously i'm sitting in the mentor seat in this moment right but but in that moment if, if i'll say okay put that story here i'll watch their webinar and they'll do it exactly as I said, like they'll literally, they'll have that story there. So they don't try to like reinvent it themselves. They literally just listen to what someone's telling them to do. If someone's got more, more um, skills in that area and they actually do it. And there's this level of execution that they bring that is phenomenal. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's quite humbling actually, because when I coach people at that level and I have massive respect for them as entrepreneurs themselves you know so i'm like i'm in the seat of going okay i'm coaching literally like the biggest names in the world and as i'm doing that there's this humility that comes over me when i watch their end of production i'm like it's so it's so fascinating watching them just do what what we talked about <laughs> i know that seems so simple but i noticed that a lot of people who aren't seeing success, they don't follow the advice of their mentors. They don't follow what their program tells them to do. And they, my kids call it kerfuffling around. They mm. kerfuffle, they just like kerfuffle around and they just procrastinate, they put it off. But the people at the higher level, even though they feel scared, they just do it and they execute it like a Navy SEAL and it's just boom and no even if they they're freaking out because they've got all those fears as well like all the fears that come up for you for me like they're telling me this stuff like they're they're afraid as they go to launch they're afraid that they won't hit their goals they're afraid that that you know whatever it is but they just do it anyway and so there's this sense of of courage that they show in the in the midst of the of the fear that just really sets them apart. And I think anyone can do that. And it's just a gradual process of, of that's why I said the idea right at the start of being in programs and learning from people who are ahead of you around the specific skill sets that you wanna learn from. Um, and then just literally doing what they tell you to do. And then you get feedback and then you just do what they tell you to do. And you just keep doing that and that's how you get great results. That's how I did, did it when I first started. And then, 
and then it's just developed evolved from there so i would say that that is that's a big thing i've noticed and they're also just they're very much like everyone else they're like they're human they've got same fears same you know stuff that comes up as human beings but they always choose courage um that's what i've noticed and they execute exceptionally um and so yeah it's it's cool it's cool being a part of that yeah definitely so you mentioned it a tiny bit but creating compelling stories is a crucial skill for converting audiences so can you walk us through your process for crafting a story that would kind of resonate with somebody and then be able to drive action hmm. so the mistake that most people make is that they share a origin story instead of a conversion story so mm. an origin story is usually the story about your kind of like a lot of your journey into entrepreneurship or why you got into it maybe a little bit of credibility around what makes you credible to teach and to coach and stuff like that and but it's very much focused on just your journey and the frame usually that where that origin story is created from is this frame of let me share with the audience a little bit about me so that i am credible and so that they understand who i am now that's okay but the problem with that is that that doesn't really create a compelling drive towards your offer or wanting to work with you and so i coined this this concept which is called the conversion story a little while ago and a conversion story is telling the story that when you tell it the audience naturally moves towards wanting to use the the I say offer but it's really the vehicle is the the real thing the vehicle that you teach them to use so for example for me I teach selling on a stage so I could tell so many stories by the way about how I got into business there's like probably 30 different stories I could tell but the one story that I tell over and over again is a version of the story I told at the start like when you asked me about how did I get into business what what got me started I always come back to that that story and then I tell another story which is we started to get into it about the webinar one um that's a conversion story for me because it it's centered around the vehicle that I help people with. Now, if I was still teaching productivity, I would tell a different story. I wouldn't tell the story about speaking. I would tell a story about, about a time when I had to make a big change in my life and reorganize myself and really find out what's most important and how I did that in the midst of the challenge I was facing. And it would lead to this idea of that through effective prioritization, you can create the life you've always dreamed of. Right. And so, you know, I would lead towards a different type of vehicle. And so the conversion story basically says, what's the vehicle that you help people with? And what's the story that most powerfully reinforces that? And there's three questions a conversion story answers. It is the first question is, are you like me? And so, in other words, you have to show your audience that you are like them on some level. And that could be you are like them from the sense of you've struggled like them, you've had challenges like them. It doesn't mean you, you're like physically like them or culturally like them. 
it doesn't matter. It's are you have you been through challenges, vulnerabilities, difficulties that the audience can relate to? The second question is, can you lead me? And so you have to show in your story that not only are you like them, but you can lead them. And you, you've built credibility, you've built strength, you've built, um, you know, some, some level of status potentially that shows that you've grown in this area and seen a breakthrough. And then the last question is, is there a path that I can follow? In other words, follow to get the result that you got. And so you have to be really clear at the end of your story with the core most important idea that the audience should walk away with in order to see the breakthrough they want to see. And so those three questions starts to frame a conversion story. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I think the it, it's kind of maybe the, the path is where the disconnect is for some people, either the, the story doesn't connect with the path that they currently want to sell, as you mentioned, yes. like it's an unrelated origin story. Um, or maybe they don't clearly mention that. And they say like, here, this is where I was. This is how I was like you. This is like my credibility now. Do you want me to help you? And then it's like, well, maybe, I don't know. What's the path? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a cool way of describing it. I like, uh, I like that. Um, I want to ask another question back on the webinars though. So if mm. I am going to present like either in the webinar on stage, whatever it is, um, dealing with objections and resistance is a whole different thing. If you haven't been doing that and you're just having an email with somebody when you have to actually do it there live. So mm. how do you handle objections gracefully and then turn that into an opportunity for someone to convert? Hmm. So for me, um, there's two types of objections. There are core objections that are like the most important objections that you have to answer that are related specifically to your vehicle. So I'll give an example. So for me, um, my vehicle of, you know, speaking and selling on a stage, a core objection might be, I don't want to sell because I like, I don't want to come off pushy, right? So that could be an objection. So for me, I address that objection directly in my content. Like I don't leave that till the end. That's, that's a core part of what the presentation's about. And so f the first objections you want to think about is what are the big objections that the audience has to get over in order to say yes to your offer? But you don't frame it as an objection to an offer. You frame it as some helpful concept that will, in other words, like unlock their resistance, right? And so you might have one to three core objections that you address in your content, first of all. And then finally, you know, at the end is a great place to answer further objections. And so you wouldn't frame as, as objections as more just, you know, frequently asked questions usually. And so you literally just say the resistance. So it could be, um, it could be that, hey, I'm really busy right now. Um, what should I, you know, should I wait till later to do the course? Or should I do it now? Uh, like I'm just in such a busy season. And so a great way to answer that is, is actually with a story or a case study. Um, and so you can pre-prepare that sort of stuff. So it could be like, you know what, that's, that question was exactly what one of our students recently said, Jenny, she wrote in and she said, Colin, I, I, when I, before I joined, I, I, I was so overwhelmed and I was so busy 
but I just knew that this this was a priority for me. And even though I was busy, I decided that this is going to be a priority. And so I went through it. And in fact, it's actually freed up more time now because instead of doing guesswork, I've actually sped up the process and I got the result faster than what I had before. And so I always think a great way to reframe is to ask, ask a question which is, and you don't ask this to the audience, but you ask it beforehand, you say something like, what's more important than that objection? So for example, if someone says, you know, um, you know, I don't have time, you, what's more important is priority. And you say, well, it's not that you don't have time because everyone has the same amount of time in a day. In fact, probably three months from now, you'll be just as busy as you are right now because everything kind of just cascades down. The question is, is this a priority right now? Like, is this something you want to work on? If it's not, then, then don't join. But if it is a priority, then, then join because this needs to be a priority. We need to stop putting it off. And so, um, yeah, answering with, with stories, answering with metaphors, a really great way to do it. So for example, I could say with that one, I could say, you know, so often we say we don't have time and then that Netflix series drops that, you know, the day in, in the day and you, and you didn't realize you forgot that it was going to drop and you had something else on that after, that evening. And you're like, no, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to watch this new Netflix series. I've been waiting for this forever. And you prioritize that instead of the other thing. And so it wasn't that you were too busy to watch the Netflix series. It's just that you decided that was the most important thing you wanted to do, which is fine. But but stop telling yourself that you're too busy because that's not actually the truth. The truth is that you're prioritizing other things. And so if if this is a priority, then then let's prioritize this. Yeah. Yeah, I think you described it so well because when you take into account like the possible big objections and address those in your presentation, then what it comes down to of what's left is often like, it's not really an objection towards your product or to you. It's kind of that the person's just really asking for your permission to say mm -hmm. like, is, is this really like for me? And you're just giving that to them and letting them know, yeah, the, well, this is, if that's the choice you want to make, then like, here it is. And sometimes like people feel uncomfortable when they're going to spend a lot of money, even if they believe it's the right thing for them. And so basically just hearing it again from you and like, that's why like talking live to people in webinars can be so powerful because mm. you're letting them know like, yep, like we, we can help you. Like we'd be glad to help you with this. And, mm. and sometimes that's all it is. So I, I guess what I'm saying is for those who are not experienced with this at all, and you're nervous about like speaking on stage, having a webinar and being able to, to talk with customers, potential customers about those questions, realize that sometimes they, they kind of just want that okay from you actually. Yeah, just that confirmation of, oh, so this is the right program for me and it's gonna solve the thing that I'm looking for. Yeah, awesome. Well, I've got one more question for you and that is, if you could ask any question to our audience, what would that be? So either something you're curious about or something you kind of want to get everybody thinking about, what would that be? Hmm. I love questions. So there's probably, if I, I could sit down and just ask questions all day. Um, I think a question would be, a great question I always like to think about that helps me to move forward is, you know, what what would my... 90 year old self say to me about this and because so often we make all our decisions based on where we are right now but 
but the big decisions and the big frames are always made more from a legacy perspective from the end of your life. And so you can hear I'm Australian. We moved to America six years ago. And the question I asked myself was when I get to the end of my life, is this something that I would regret not doing? And the answer was, yeah, I would. I would regret not at least giving this a go. Like whether this works out or not, like if if we fail, we we move, move to America and we fail, then at least I know that I gave it my best shot. And that helped me to make my, you know, some of these bigger decisions. It might be around kids. Maybe you're thinking like, oh, you know, I don't know if I really want kids, but it's like you ask the question of if I get to the end of my life and I look back, would I regret not? having kids you know like if that's something that you can do um you know it's like would i regret it and if the answer is yes then like it helps you to just make those bigger decisions that you want to put off in the day-to-day because you feel like i don't have time for this like this is too overwhelming my life's too crazy already and so that question of going to the end of my life has really helped me in making my bigger decisions awesome yeah that's an excellent question all right, Colin, well, before we get going, where else can people find you online? Yeah, so I'm quite active on Instagram. So love to connect with you on Instagram. Send me a direct message uh, and let me know what you got from the podcast if you heard me here. Uh, and my Instagram handle is just at Colin Boyd, C-O-L-I-N-B-O-Y-D. So it's just one L, not two Ls for Colin. Uh, and I think the best place for people to get started if they're interested in the conversion story, uh, it's like a simple place to get started it's just conversionstoryformula.com conversionstoryformula.com and if you're a podcast listener i have a podcast myself and we release weekly content and that's called the expert edge and so i'd love to connect with you there awesome thanks so much colin thanks brian I'd like to take a moment to invite you to join our free community of over 5,000 creators at creatorclimb.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, check out the Heights Platform YouTube channel every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Central. To get notified when new episodes release, join our newsletter at thecreatorsadventure.com. Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.